Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will see what Lufthansa has been buying while I reflect on the issue of gender equality in aviation. I'll update you on the latest with the Air Europa sale while Joe looks at what the USA is doing to ensure families can sit together on flights. Finally, Tom will explore some incredibly short Boeing 747 flights. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I think, you know, the biggest news from my point of view last week was that Lufthansa, um, other than um, the fact that they had their new cabin, that was probably the biggest news. But then um, I think a few days later, on Thursday maybe, um, they announced that they're going to order even more planes. Um, so um, this kind of coincided with the meeting of the supervisory board of the airline. So um, in the morning, they um, said, oh, hey, Carsten, you can be the CEO of the airline group for the next five years. Um, and then in the afternoon, I guess, on the agenda, was the issue of new aircraft. Um, so, so what's the latest? Well, the Lufthansa Group revealed that it's um, upping its orders with both major plane makers, so that includes Airbus and Boeing. Um, as 22 new aircraft are now um, expected above what was previously announced. So according to the supervisory board of Lufthansa, that's going to be five more Airbus A350-900s. 10 Airbus A350-1000s and 7 Boeing 787-9s. So the deal is actually valued at around $7.5 billion. Um, I say valued at, you know, this is never what the airline pays, but they'll never tell you what they pay because uh, that's like the, the biggest secret in aviation, I feel, is how much is an airplane actually worth. Um, but, you know, it doesn't stop there because the company said that it's it's still negotiating with the, uh, the aircraft makers to take even more wide-body aircraft available at short notice. Um, so this is most likely going to be other carriers forfeiting their manufacturing slots or perhaps um, they can't take planes because of sanctions. So if you look at the first Boeing 787 that the Lufthansa Group took, actually. Um, this is one of these aircraft because it was going to go to Hainan Airlines um, and then they weren't going to take it. And then Vistara was going to take it and they didn't take it. So Lufthansa finally got it. Um, and we saw on the first flight that it still actually had some Hainan Airlines branding inside on the screens. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a good strategy for the airline because Usually, you know, when you book a plane slot, a plane manufacturing slot, you're looking several years ahead. Um, mm. But what this strategy allows is that, you know, it doesn't guarantee that the aircraft is going to be there, but it lets you sort of kind of jump the line um, and you don't necessarily get to specify so much about the aircraft because maybe the people who did want it have chosen the specifications. But, you know, it did. It, it, means you can get an aircraft fairly quickly. Um, so for the Lufthansa group as a whole, 108 long-haul aircraft orders are now outstanding. And this is the 350, the 787, and the 777X, if and when that comes. Um, and while a good portion of these will end up with Lufthansa itself, we'll also likely see some going to other group carriers, such as Austrian and Swiss. Um, and the sort of driving idea behind this um, 
this order is not just we want more planes, but it's um, it's more to replace older aircraft than to expand the fleet, if that makes sense. So it's terrible news for any quad jet lovers because the 747-400, A340-300 and A340-600 are now all in the firing line alongside the 330-200, the 767-300 and the 777-200. So these older aircraft are all going to get replaced with the newer aircraft. Um, and what I find quite interesting is because, you know, when you think of quad jets nowadays, you think of Lufthansa. They're the only one operating or this summer will be the only one operating all three types of quad jet. Um, but the carrier ended entered the pandemic and with its wide body fleet being 50% quad jets, uh, which I think must have been the highest or uh, the highest for such a big carrier anywhere. Um the aim is now to, with these six types being retired, this will be under 15%. Um, so for the time being, you'll just really have the 787, uh, 747-8s and the 380s for however long um, long they last. Um, what I found really interesting was that Lufthansa made no mention of retiring the A380. Um, and while it had previously said it would sunset the entire fleet, you know, we got three that are due to return to the skies this summer to go to the US. Um, the a lack of A380 mention could mean that it could stick around a little bit longer, but my understanding is that it was more a case of it wasn't mentioned because it's already considered on the chopping block by the airline. Um, but, you know, it's interesting to see how long these quad jets do, um, do last because I think Lufthansa, you know, all, all of, maybe not the A380 with Emirates, but certainly the 747 and the A330, it's already the last major carrier using these. So. Mm. Um, watch this space, I'd say. <laughs> Sad times, but happy times to see new aircraft coming in as well, particularly exactly. with that lovely business class product, which looks mm. amazing. The first class is where it's at, though. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be lucky to fly there. <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe if I get a lottery win. But uh, <laughs> So we're actually recording this on Wednesday, which um, it might not have escaped your notice. It's International Women's Day. It's celebrated on March the 8th every year. Um, this week week is also International Women of Aviation Worldwide Week, um, which marks the anniversary of the world's first female pilot's license, which was on March the 8th, 2010. That was a French pilot called Raymond de La Roche. Um, and this year's theme is 75 years of female agricultural pilots, um, particularly celebrating a lady called Ada Regato, who became the first woman to work as an agricultural pilot back in 1948. Um, so with all this emphasis on ladies, um, it won't be surprising that we've seen quite a few uh, female crewed flights. Um, so this year, one of the first to do an International Women's Day all-female flight was Virgin Australia. Um, they had uh, an entire kind of uh, female operations. So it was from the flight dispatcher to the load controller, women on the flight deck, women cabin crew. There were even female safety officers and female air traffic controllers working at both airports at either end of the journey. It's the first time in Australia this has happened and involved more than 20 women working in 10 different aviation-related roles. So that was kind of cool to see. 
Um, Sri Lankan also flew an A320 from Colombo to Tiruchirappalli, <laughs> if I said that right, in India, which was with women pilots and cabin crew. Um, Brussels Airlines threw, flew an A319 from Brussels to Marseille with a 100% female flight, um, which included the pilots, passenger service people and the baggage handlers, which was quite cool. Um, Qatar Airways, for some reason, their, their cargo arm, Qatar Airways Cargo, they did their all-female flight a few days early on the 5th of March um, when they went from Doha to Shanghai with an entirely women-managed operation, including all the crew and the ground staff. Um, going a step further, though, Air India will operate not one, but 90 flights, 9-0, with all-female crews. Um, this is both on the international and domestic sectors. In fact, they've already started. It's been going on since March the 1st. Um, the number 90, it's reflective of the 90th anniversary since JRG, JRD Tata's first commercial flight. Um, so pretty cool to see. This is just a few examples. We'll probably see many more before the day's out. Um, you know, female participants participation in aviation is on the up. Um, but the fact these flights are still newsworthy and necessary shows there's still quite a long way to go. Um, I had a look at the numbers. Apparently, 5.1% of the world's airline pilots are women. And women represent around 26% of air traffic controllers, 18% of flight dispatchers, and less than 9% of aerospace engineers. Um, some countries are doing better than others. India, in particular, has a large number of female pilots Pilots. They're sitting at almost 13%. Um, Indian media is reporting 15%, but I couldn't find any verification for that. So we'll go with 13. Um, in second place, Ireland has just short of 10% female pilots. Um, South Africa has 9.8%. Uh, and then you've got Australia at 75 Canada at 7%, Germany at 6.9%, uh, the US at 5.5%. And here in the UK, a rather measly 4.7%, um, which is actually less than the world average. Yeah, when I was at uni, there was only one or two um, females in our whole class for aerospace uh, technology. So, yeah, um, <laughs> not a popular career pathway still. <laughs> yeah, there's still work to be done. There is. Um, one of the bits of work being done, actually, um, is by IATA. They launched an initiative called 25 by 2025 back in 2019. And this means that they're striving for all signatories to the pledge to have 25% of their jobs occupied by women. And most importantly, to have 25% of senior positions um, occupied by women. And so far, they've got around 170 organisations signed up, including airlines, airports, um, you know, manufacturers. There's two years to go, <laughs> but um, uh, it, there is still a long way to go. I was looking at some research by Bloomberg this morning. Um, they've tracked 123 airline carriers and they found that women typically hold just 13% of executive posts, which is less than pretty much every other industry out there. Um, only JetBlue has an equal gender split among its executives. Um, 22 airlines they surveyed had no female executives executives at all. Um, and in terms of the boards, only Air Transat and Air New Zealand have an equal split of male and female directors. 11 airlines have only men sitting on their boards. Um, it was interesting because we spoke with the co-founder of India's Akasa Air this week, um, a lady called Neelu Katri, a very impressive lady. Um, she said that that airline's targeting a 50-50 split between 
men, men and women in the airline across all their jobs. Um, you can hear more from that interview on our YouTube channel. Um, but it was very interesting to talk to her. She's one of the first kind of airline founders in India who is from the, the sweet agenda, shall I say? <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's as I say, it's great to see all these things happening. It's great to see the initiatives and the all-female flights. Um, but I'm looking forward to the day when it's not news to have female pilots and female ground crews and it's just the norm, you know. But uh, anyway, happy International Women's Day to all the ladies listening to the podcast. Indeed. Um, happy International Women's Day. Oh, thank you, Tom. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk next about something. It's a little bit older um, because, you know, it was it happened just after our podcast two weeks ago. And obviously we had the special episode last week uh, talking about Lufthansa's cabins. So um, it is a little bit older, but please do indulge me because I thought it was still quite interesting um, and, you know, maybe not so newsworthy, but still worth discussion. And that is the IAG, you know, they last a uh, couple of weeks ago we got their financial results. Yay! Um, I don't find them that riveting, but what I did find a bit more riveting was that they finally agreed to purchase the remaining eighty percent of Air Europa. Um, and I say finally because this is like some sort of back and forth that's been going on since twenty nineteen. Um, so they're going to pay four hundred million uh, euros, so around four hundred twenty-four million US dollars, in several payments for it. But, you know, how does this work? Because they've already backed out of the deal once and that costs them 75 million euros. And um, now the deal is expected to close in 18 months time. Well, basically what I say 80% because IAG already acquired 20% of Air Europa last August. Now it's going to take the other 80 and it's going to pay uh, the 400 million euros to take it over. But this is going to come in three sections. So Firstly, half of that 200 million euros will be paid when the deal closes, and that's expected to happen within 18 months. Um, and the other half of this is going to be paid in cash, but in two installments of 100 million. So one of those will be one year after the deal closes and the other 200 million years after um, the deal closes. Um, what I should say, sorry, is that half of the 200 million that is when it is immediately closed is paid in shares of IAG. Um, now, it does raise a question because Air Europa, you know, their, their, their big market is Spain. Um, IAG, their big market is Spain. You know, they already own Iberia, was one of the founding members of IAG with BA, um, and they own um, Voiling. So with this um, Air Europa take on, they effectively become even more dominant than they already are in Spain, which makes... Um, alarm bells ring for how does this work with uh, regulatory compliance? I don't know the exact um, words there, but you know what I mean because um, the, the spirit, issues. yeah, yeah, like the spirit jet bluffing in the US is facing all sorts of issues. Um, and it's funny because you know we were chatting to Reese from Head for Points last week, and Head for Points had a kind of interesting take on this, and they reckon the reason that the deal is expected to be nodded through is that Air Europa would probably not have survived otherwise. So the Spanish government is believed to have been working to ensure approval. Um, so you know it'll be interesting to see see what happens with this. Um, I feel like they're kind of at a point where. Um, 
you know, well, like, I mean, IAG wouldn't dot the I's and cross the T's if they didn't think this could go through. So uh, I guess they believe that there is a significant chance that the deal will be approved. But, um, you know, it will make for a very interesting what happens next if it doesn't. Definitely, definitely. Mm. I get the impression it's kind of last chance saloon for our Europa, though, because it's uh, not going to survive without IAG support. So maybe the Spanish government are looking at it and going, well, you know, OK, we'll have less competition, but at least we'll have an airline. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there'll be less competition anyway without it, maybe. So, yeah, exactly. Um, we'll see. Yeah. So I wanted to just talk a little bit about flying with kids because it's something I do and have done oh. a lot for many years of my life. <laughs> um, my kids are very well behaved on planes, but um, over in the USA, there have been some rumblings about fees that are charged to seat families together. Um, it's been going on for quite some time, actually. And just yesterday, the US Department of Transportation or US DOT launched yet another pro-transparency dashboard um, in what it calls a fight against junk fees. Um, um, this time, it's an online chart that very clearly tells families which major US airlines guarantee fee-free seating next to their young children and which do not. So it's very similar to the dashboard that they launched last year um, that kind of outlined what airlines would give you in the event of a delay or cancellation. And it's all, you know, in this kind of consumer protection and consumer transparency vein. Um, but of the 10 airlines they featured on the tour, there are only three that will guarantee adjacent seats for young children at no additional cost. They are Alaska, American Airlines and Frontier. Oh, um, the other that seven, me. <laughs> yeah, and me. <laughs> the other seven, so we've got Delta, United, Southwest, Allegiant, Hawaiian Airlines, JetBlue and Spirit. None of them have agreed to guarantee fee-free seating for families. Um, so depending on which carrier they fly with, parents who want to sit next to their own children uh, can expect to shell out anywhere from $10 to $50 extra per assigned seat on top of the cost of the tickets. Um, in fact, some airlines charge as much as $100 for an aisle seat. Um, so this tool is very easy to use. Um, there's a little chart with all the names of the airlines and they get a nice green check mark if they pass the requirements and a big fat red X if they do not. Uh, the DOT says to receive a green check on the dashboard, the airline must guarantee that parents can sit next to children aged 13 and younger for free if adjacent seats are available when they book. So there's still a chance you could be separated if you're not into paying for assigned seating. Um, but these airlines have said that they will not charge if those seats are available. Um, so the ultimate for the DOT is to outlaw any fees being charged to families with children under 13 in order to sit together. So ahead of this announcement and this dashboard release, some airlines have already been making some tweaks to their systems to be more accommodating. For example, um, United Airlines sent a press release a couple of weeks ago saying that they're going to be using new technology to give parents or guardians accompanying a child younger than 12 access to preferred seats at the time of booking as needed. But because that's still not quite saying we will guarantee you can sit together without being charged, it still doesn't earn them a green check mark. Um, so most airlines don't guarantee that there'll be no extra cost. Um, the US DOT has, is working on a rulemaking to ensure young children can sit next to their accompanying adult. Um, but of course, rulemaking can be lengthy. So the president has called upon Congress to enact legislation. And apparently the administration plans to send Congress proposed legislation in the coming weeks. So it looks like 
eventually the US will be a place where you can sit by your child on a flight for free. Um, to me, this is a no brainer. Like, you know, if you really want to sit next to my kid, who's a complete pain and will talk your ear off and demand sweets the entire way through your Which flight. Which one are you talking about Be now? my guest. <laughs> Both. <laughs> They've both had their moments. My, my kids are a bit older now, so they're actually lovely to travel with because they just stick their headphones in and look at their iPads and that's it. Um, but, you know, there was a time when you're more than welcome to have my children. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> I just find it crazy because, you know, it's. I feel like it's just already the norm in Europe. You know, mm. Ryanair will... I feel like they're legally obliged to offer this. So, yes. Um, it just seems crazy that this is not the case anywhere because it, like, to me, it just seems absolutely... Obviously, I feel not many people would let this happen, but just mm. the whole situation that, you know, a five-year-old could just be sat in between two strangers, <laughs> you know. It's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely bonkers. Anyway, good moves by the D. And, you know, I think I appreciate all they're doing to make the fees that you're charged when you fly more transparent and fairer across all US carriers. So I look forward to um, a time when US people can enjoy sitting next to their own children <laughs> on their plane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wanted to wrap the podcast up by talking about something. Again, it's interesting. And please do indulge me because it's Lufthansa again. And I do promise that next week uh, we'll try and find something different to talk about for a change. Um, but, you know, it's Boeing 747s. And um, it's quite exciting because, you know, the last couple of years, um, Lufthansa has sent its Boeing 747s to Palma de Mallorca, which is um, a small holiday island in the Mediterranean, for those who don't know. Um, and it's quite an interesting one because it's you you never really see 747s going on these short haul um these hops you know sometimes you do see wide bodies on shorter flights you know we see quite a lot british airways sending wide bodies to frankfurt when there's an increase in cargo demand but this isn't about cargo this is purely about passengers um so what's the deal? Well, basically, on the 2nd, 9th, 16th, and 23rd of April, they're all Sundays, Lufthansa is going to fly a 747 from Frankfurt to Palma de Mallorca and back, um, which is two hours on the outbound and two hours, 20 minutes on the return. Um, and, you know, I, I did reach out to Lufthansa and ask about this, and it's not the the first time it's happened, so it's not completely out of the blue, but they said to meet the high demand for tickets to Mallorca around upcoming Easter time, Lufthansa has decided, like last year, to exchange the usually scheduled Airbus from the A320 family for a larger aircraft on four consecutive Sundays. Thus, also this year, the Jumbo... Boeing 747 will visit Mallorca. Thus, we can fly significantly more passengers, 150 passengers per flight during the holiday season. Um, so don't get too excited because, you know, it's not the lovely, fancy new business class product that we saw last week. Um, but, you know, it's there, there was one thing that did interest me this time. And that is that the last two years in a row, uh, Lufthansa used the 747-8, which has four cabins. But this time it's using the 747-400, which only has business, premium and economy. Um, so there's no chance to sit in first class, but you can sit in the um, very cramped, maybe, um, um, business class seating. So the economy, uh, the business class, you know, you've got it right at the front of the nose of the plane to uh, a little bit behind and then on the upper deck. 
for the main part on the main deck, that's a two free two seating. So, um, you know, three people on each row don't even have direct aisle access, which, you know, for a two hour flight, it's not the end of the world. But no. um, in the upper deck, you've got two two seating. But what I did find fascinating looking at the seat map is something that I hadn't really realized before, but the business class cabin on the Lufthansa 747-400 has at the nose, when it sort of splits out, uh, there is a single lone seat in the middle uh, of this whole front cabin section, uh, 4D, um, which, you know, you check out pictures of it because it looks, you know, they could do something else with that space. It just doesn't, it's a bit odd just seeing this single seat there. Um, But, you know, it's... um, I think it's a good chance to jump on the 747-400 while you can, because as we spoke about earlier in the podcast, they're not going to be around forever. Mm. Very exciting. Um, I mean, what a great way to go to Mallorca. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I might see if I can expense it. <laughs> Almost like those A380 flights from London to Frankfurt that you didn't manage to get on, eh, Tom? <laughs> I know. I, well, I was booked on it. And then at the 11th hour, um, the British government decided that COVID was a thing again. And, um, <laughs> you know, I was meant to be in London for about 24 hours, maybe. And uh, they were like, oh, well, you need a PCR test to leave isolation. And that would have taken longer than I was planning to be in the country. So Crazy. at that point, the whole trip was just a write-off. Oh, dear. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe you should hop on a Boeing 747 to the island of Mallorca yeah, uh, for your we'll summer see. holidays this year. Mm. But I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.